Welcome to the 268th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on January 19th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's thriving in the gig economy, Carlos Rodella. I'm a freelancer, baby. That's what I do. <laughs> Boy, that was pretty good. You just buzzed that right out. Yeah, that's just me. I'm improv, yes, and, and also freelancing. And a tunesmith, apparently. Oh, that's a good word. I've never, I think, heard that ever. <laughs> tunesmith? <laughs> I take no credit. That is a word I did not make up, although I do enjoy that word. I'm looking it up real quick because I've never heard that used. Tunesmith. What does what can a tunesmith do for you? It says. They, it enhances they can, songwriting. Yeah, there you go. Oh. They're musically inclined. They're kind of like little fixers. A composer of popular music. Well, okay, I'll take. There it. you go. All right, there you go. All right, folks. Uh, we are here. It is time to record the show. We've got a. Pretty full docket today. Not as full as it has been at some in, in the past, but we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. And uh, plenty of stuff to talk about outside of the main content in a little thing that we'd like to call housekeeping. We're going to get right to it as uh, we are on a little bit of a time crunch today. Not a huge time crunch, but a little bit of a time crunch. So we're not going to waste any time. Uh, Carlos and I, as you all know, share a virtual living space, giant house, divided down the middle by a strip of duct tape on my side maybe one thing, maybe nothing, depending on what Carlos has. Carlos, I feel like you've got a lot of stuff on your side. Today. Yeah, always boxes on my side. And there's a huge box that we're just going to get to right away that everybody knows about, everybody's talking about, which is Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard. Yeah, that was a big story. I remember waking up and it was like all over Twitter. It took me a minute to figure out what was going on. And then it's like, wow, uh, someone spent a lot of money, wrote a very large check. Yeah, it's seventy billion or something. A number yeah, that, something crazy. It was like it was the billions for sure. It, was it doesn't ridiculous. even make sense. It's just a magical word made up thing. I don't know what that means even. So much money. Um, but I think the biggest thing is I was reading an article in a gadget, and uh, I might just talk, uh, you know, paraphrase a little bit of what they're talking about. But I think they're, they're they're really mentioning this kind of kind of concern of what is this mean for game development and in general with publishers. Uh, you know, and bigger publishers buying up other publishers. So it's that whole, you know, massive company buys up other massive company. Does monopolies start happening? And also with exclusivity, where that works sometimes and is kind of interesting, like, hey, you have an Xbox, you get Bethesda titles, maybe exclusively. This is like so much more big piece of the pie. So it just kind of has, you know, a big question mark about like, what does that mean for the industry as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I mean, there's lots of angles that you could d dissect on this. And as a matter of fact, before we started recording, I think I had bookmarked like I think five different like full length articles that I was going to read in preface uh, for the show. I uh, didn't have time, but I did bookmark those. So at least I, <laughs> nice. I pretended to do the research. Uh, but, you know, like like you said, there's a lot of different things. I mean, Monopoly. There's like, how does this change the playing field for developers? Does this mean smaller developers are still going to get a seat at the table? Or are they not? And of course, I mean, I got into a pretty lengthy discussion with Matt Sainsbury last night. Shout out to Matt. He's a good guy. Love him. Uh, talking on Twitter about um, Game Pass and like what this means for Game Pass, right? He was having some hesitation about Game Pass as a service and about subscriptions as a concept, which I totally get. And in fact, I think he's, you know, he, he's on the right track about a lot of it. Um, and I think it just really comes down to 
what does Microsoft want to do? I mean, a lot of people now are saying this is nothing to do with exclusive games, but about expanding their ecosystem, about getting more people. I mean, I've heard people talk about perhaps Game Pass on a PlayStation console. Not not impossible. It's not oh, that's the craziest happening. talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think that maybe that's going to be happening. Um, so it's all about them making larger, like, macro moves. And I don't think people are on the right track when it comes to, like, oh, my favorite game is not going to be on the PlayStation anymore. Like, I don't really think that's what it's about. Yeah, but at the same time, here's here's the other elephant in the room. It's freaking Activision Blizzard who has all the problems right now with sexual harassment cases, uh, sexual abuse cases, and obviously that dummy, Kotick, or whatever his name is. Bobby Kotick, yeah. Yeah, Kotick. Um, and, like, it's just a weird thing to buy. Like, to me, it just seems like a weird time to buy that. And also, I mean, that's, that's the perfect time to buy them, dude, because yeah, they're struggling, I, I right? They're embarrassed. Yeah. You know, there was uh, rumors going around today that Kotick wanted to buy some games media outlets, Kotaku and some other things, so that he could force them to write positive stories about him. I mean, rather than changing the culture, rather than improving himself as a human being, he was going to just buy the press and start you know, paying for good oh, stories. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think the investors... And the stockbroker, uh, not the stockbrokers, the stockholders and the board, I think they were kind of nervous about this guy. Like, people are starting to catch on to him that he's a real fucking scumbag. Right. It's an exit and strategy for them. Exactly. It's an yeah. exit strategy. They can say, hey, look, we sold out to Microsoft. The bad people are all gone. Kotick, you can be sure that Kotick is going to make his exit. He's going to have a nice, big, fat golden parachute on the way out. And then this will be, like, the way that they get this behind them, right? Like, it's a big, big move. And then they can wipe the slate clean and just forget about all the stuff that yeah. they want to go away. No, it makes sense. It's just it is also like equally a little weird too, just because it is it is a company that you think of when you think of these issues. So there's gonna be a lot of cleaning, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like something like Bethesda, right? Where you're not like worried about a bunch of things, you know, starting off your relationship with this new company you bought. Secondly, and more importantly, I think as a gamer, is what titles do they have? I mean, obviously the Diablos of the world and Starcrafts, I guess. But like Tony Hawk, no one Tony cares Hawk, anymore. Spyro, yeah. like it just—it seems weird on that level to me because I mean, Overwatch, Call, Call of, Duty. of Duty. But again, Call of Duty is super slow right now. Like, yeah, not high on anybody's radar. If I just started looking down the line, uh, by the way, I think they get King with that. I, you know, I've heard that Which was a big candy part of the strategy, crush? too. Like, you know, they want to get further into the mobile space and get some of that pie. I heard that right. was maybe a larger part of the rationale than people are giving credit for, which could be entirely true. I mean, I don't do anything with mobile anymore ever since it became like a total just like shit fest of like, you know, free to play stuff. But I mean, maybe they want to make some more moves in the mobile. There's clearly a lot of money out there. It's an untapped market, I think. Well, and King's printing money. Like yeah, just from a monetary standpoint, it just makes a lot of sense that way. Yeah, so when I exactly. saw that as part of the list, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah again, for gamers, and you talk about Game Pass, people are like, oh, there'll be so many more back catalog Activision Blizzard games. Really? Like, which ones do I want to play? Like, we played Diablo enough, you know? It's on every platform already. So I, I don't see the move in my mind as a Xbox Series X owner as anything that I'm really excited about, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, and I, mean, I, I, and, I agree. I agree. And I only see the negatives of, you know, capitalism gone amok and monopolies and stuff, because, again, one company does this, another company does this, you know. And so and I think back, going back to Engadget, they made a point about it potentially could kill innovation. And this is a quote from it. As each developer attempts to conform to the corporate environment around them actively or subconsciously. 
So like, say you're part of this massive company now and you're not like even a double A studio, right? Uh, double A or triple I or whatever. And you are, uh, or even a Santa Monica, Sony Santa Monica, and you're like just PlayStation or just Xbox. Yeah. Like, does that change the way you make games and, and, and the kind of goals you set for yourself? So I, I don't like it really at all. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of their IPs in general, so I think they're probably talking to a different type of player. I mean, that's fine. But I think, again, it really gets back to Microsoft, right? So to me, if we were going to be talking about the Xbox One era, I think that was like one of Microsoft's worst eras. Like they made yeah. bad call after bad call, bad hardware, bad designs. They just they really lost the plot there. But then, you know, here comes uh, the X, and I feel like everything is good again. Like they've got gamers back in in the crosshairs in a good way as in they're 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 on target right they want to do things that are good for gamers not for the corporate people um they're making a lot of you know good decisions in terms of accessibility in terms of you know archiving things or making older games available i mean they're making a lot of good good moves and i think it's uh due to what's the guy's name who runs xbox right now phil spencer phil spencer thank you yes uh so he's he's like a good guy right and if he is in charge of this and if he's calling the shots i mean obviously he's not gonna be the only guy because this is like a multi-billion dollar deal. But if he's focused on leveraging, re- leveraging this and maintaining the level of respect that they seem to have with developers right now, I mean, I think that could ultimately be a good thing. Like, I think if they curate it well, and as I was saying on Twitter last night, like this is, I mean, it doesn't make any sense that they would want to just like steamroll all these people and make them corporate tools. I mean, the thing that's really great about Game Pass, for example, is like the variety of games. There's like indies, there's AAA, there's all sorts of different things. It's really well curated. It's a great value don't kill that right like i think they're going to want to keep that going and like in- increase their subscriber base they're not going to do that if they make everybody conform to the same cookie cutter mold right so i i hope that the people in charge of this are going to really capitalize on what they have going for them now that said every single time we see a publisher start to pull ahead in this industry they inevitably fuck themselves over the very next <laughs> go round right so yeah, like yeah. sony fucked up this time around and microsoft is on top i mean if they flip-flopped again it wouldn't surprise me at all. That's like the pattern. Right. And and I will say this, and this is kind of a, a tangent that we won't go on, but just as having worked in the corporate world for a very long time, off and on, um, not right now, I'm a freelancer, baby, but uh, is big companies swallow up small companies all the time, or even like mid-sized companies, you know, swallow up you know, tiny companies, and things change inevitably every time. Like, sure. there's not one time, because every single time, the bigger company goes like, it's all going to be the same. And that's absolute bullshit. You know what I mean? It's never going to be the same. Right, and right. and it could be not the same for good, for good, and it could be for bad. But I don't know. I, it's almost like three times out of four, nine times out of ten, there's something bad that happens. I don't know. It just gets tricky. I don't want to say every merger is bad, but um, it's just tricky. So we'll watch it, and we'll watch the space. But uh, it, my gut isn't like, a as a gamer, I'm not excited for like the titles, like you said, um, which is for, first and foremost what I'm looking at the story about. You know, like how right. does it help me and you play games and, and review them? Um, yeah, again, I'm not going to play Diablo, or, and I already played Tony Hawk and Spyro. And, but on the other a- angle, you know, the big companies swallowing the small ones, it's just something to watch because we don't want to um, have it all be just one game company. That's very true. So I'm sure we will be talking about this many, many times in the future. Yep. Let's put this to bed for now. And what else you got on your side of the house there? Um, I have a lot of boxes, but because we're short on time, I'm going to go only to one more box, All which right. is another huge one. And it's that there's no E3 this year again. Yep, that is um, 
But the further line story that I dug down into a few different articles is there's there's a, there's a word that there's going to be no digital event as well. Like actually no event. Really? I didn't hear that part. Yep. And I also dug down a little bit further and there's inklings of it's gone, gone. Like it's you think huh, this is it. Like the, what what I'm and I'm just paraphrasing again, but there was an article that said the ESA was already looking at canceling it before COVID. Like this year was not going to be on the books. Like before uh, Omicron and all this stuff. They were right, like, right, right. there's a vaccine out. Things are getting better. People are going to events, but we're just going to cancel it. That's what some article said. Um, again, it's just an article, but I could see why. I mean, they just basically been trying to like make it smaller or different, you know, every year. Um, I still like it. I still like the idea of a spectacle moment and I, I find excitement around it, but yeah, that's the, that's the word in the grapevine. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what the truth of this matter is, but I definitely think COVID is making things harder. And I know that E3 was suffering even before COVID. I mean, it's strange because as a kid growing up um, playing games, I mean, we would get like the EGM off the magazine rack or game fan or, you know, whatever. And they would always have like the E3 spectacular. And at that time, I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the whole world. I cannot wait to go. I want to go. This is like it is like Mecca for gamers. And, you know, fortunately enough, I got to go multiple times and it was something that it was very special to me and I really enjoyed going got to meet people in person got to get hands-on with things it was just a great experience after having grown up wanting to be in that space for so long yeah but you know the landscape has changed I mean I mean digital is way more of a thing I think people don't want to pay the crazy exorbitant fees that E3 was asking it's it's not as important to physically go anywhere anymore because everything is online and even was before COVID you know people having their own events like Nintendo Directs or like these Microsoft uh, presentations that I've been uh, working on uh, doing the sign language for and stuff. I mean, those are great events. They're getting tons of views. They're getting the word out and they don't have to have the middleman of E3. And I mean, honestly, why have an event that's gated somewhere and then wait for that information to filter through somebody else who's attending before the message gets to your population when you could just directly hit your population? So I think that E3 made a lot of sense back in the day, but these days, I, eh, maybe not so much. I'll say this. First, obviously, we want everybody to be safe with the COVID. But secondly... Uh, and I'll, and it's a too long of a discussion for today, but I, I'll always stand by it. Like you, I was very lucky. I got in the industry back in 2008, 2009, and I got to go to a ton of them. I mean, a ton of them and all the GDCs as well. And all those events were spectacular. Like for yeah. someone like yeah. us who loves the industry, um, there, the, the amount of interactions with random people, at some point I was like, in quotes, of internet personality. And so people would like, you know, come up and like, we do videos together. And so not only just on that front, but just like learning news, like firsthand trying a game that no one's ever played, right? It's not, there's no yeah. trailer online. There's no like 30 second preview or like alpha test. There was no alpha test back then. So not just as like a historical thing, I still think there's value in, and this is the tangent, that in people fucking getting together. So I just, I'm a little worried on the, the tangent we won't go down of COVID accelerating what was already happening, which was everybody's in our phone and on our computer at home. So again, we'll put a pin in it, but I'd, I very much have uh, respect. And I think there's a huge deal of value of people getting together and weird occurrences happening, funny moments and sure, organic sure. fucking life. You know what I mean? Cause like that's, and this is my tangent. This is what we're doing on the planet. Like, 
yes, I want to be safe, but at the same time, our life is is interacting. It's fucking doing that, and I think our screens are. It's a bunch of bullshit. Like it's 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 tough to just be on the screens. I mean, I that's agree. my tangent. I agree. All the more reason that we should hold the people in control, the powers that be. We should really let them know that we are not happy with how things are going. Because I mean, that's a whole other podcast. We're not going to get into that now. Yep, but yep, yep. you know, I I totally agree with you, and I would love to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And it just seems to be we're not making the right moves to make that happen. So I guess this is just a side effect of that. So yeah. All right. All right. The house is clean for now. I will put all the other boxes in the closet and we will get them out next week. Oh, nice. I'll just give a quick shout out before we move on to the main content here. Yeah, just really quickly. I just want to say I'm still watching um, Last Man on Earth. Uh, I talked about it, I think, last week or maybe the week before. And man, it is just like the best show. I'm really, really enjoying it. I know you said it kind of petered out after the second season. Well, because they Um, add, I mean, there's a miniature spoiler, jump ahead one minute, but they add more people. And so for me, I'd like the very beginning in the first season. And even like a little bit of the second season where it just felt like there might be a couple people, but because they kept adding characters, I, I, you know, it, it lost a little bit of charm for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not much of a spoiler. All those people are in the promo. So if you watch any of the trailers or you watch any of the images on Google, though, you'll see the people there. I mean, he's, he's clearly not the only guy on the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoy it. I, I think that they've done a great job with some really detailed and intimate character work. I think um, the personalities of each character is really well developed and I think they play off each other in really amusing and interesting ways and also in a lot of really broken ways. I think it is a comedy, but it's also kind of a sad show. I mean, there's also like a little bit of reality in there, especially now, now that we're in COVID times. I mean, the stuff that came out uh, before COVID was like oddly prescient. I mean, it's just really crazy how on target they were with a lot of this stuff. Um, but it's just a really, really good show. I, I don't know what I expected. I mean, I, I guess I was expecting kind of a dumb comedy. Um, kind of along the lines of what I've seen. Um, what's the, the star's name of this? Uh, what's uh, the Will Forte? Name? Will Forte? Will Forte? Yeah, I think I was just expecting like an extended SNL skit, um, oh, not yeah, really knowing yeah. anything about it, and that's I, I think it's why I, I waited so long to watch it. Uh, but boy, he does amazing work. I I don't know that they ever won any awards for this. I don't think they did, and I believe the series even got canceled before I got a chance to finish. Uh, but boy, he's doing some amazing stuff. The whole cast and this entire show is doing some really amazing work. And it's a real shame that I don't think anybody really appreciated it um, when it was running, myself included. Well, no, um, I think they did. I think you you might have just not been on that boat at that time because I was. that's when I watched it is when it was like premiering. And mm-hmm. it, it got like its first two seasons, I did pretty well. Like it was on Hulu on the homepage. And yeah, um, yeah. I heard it did pretty well. I think the last few seasons, maybe because the writing was different or whatever, it maybe petered out a bit, but... Yeah, um, I mean, someone someone told me that the show didn't even get a chance to end. It just stops, which I oh, think is I don't really know. Gonna, it's going to break my heart when I get to that final episode oh. because I hate it when a show doesn't get a chance to wrap up. Even even just one really quick wrap up episode can really go a long way towards yeah. helping some of that heartburn. But I've heard I don't know if this is true, but I've heard it just stops, which fucking wow. Sucks, so. You know what? Now you're going to make me want to go back to just see because I didn't finish that last season. So, oh, man. Anyway, um, shout out to Last Man on Earth. Really enjoying that show quite a bit. I, I'm really glad I'm watching it right now. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. I also recommend it even without the the ending. But also, um, Will Forte is going to be on SNL this week. So people listening to this, this is going up on Friday, right? Um, so yes, yes. on Saturday, uh, Will Forte will be on the show. It's his, his return to Saturday Night Live. Um, so that's really interesting. You brought that up. And also for you, before we leave this, yes. Have you watched future man? I love future man. Future man's amazing. Future man is amazing. And it ended really well too. It it had a good, nice arc. So future man is like so fucking good. I love that show again. 
that's another show that I expected it to be really stupid and yeah. we watched it on a lark. And when I watched it, I'm like, wow, this is way smarter and way more clever than I ever gave it credit for um, based on the promos and based on what I knew about it. They really needed to step up their PR because if I had known how good it was, I would have watched it a million years ago. That's why I brought it up because when you said that, it was, oh, I thought this would be dumb and it turned out really good and have oh, heart. Man. It had oh, heart. It was so good. Future Man was so good. So people oh, listening, go binge it. If you haven't watched it, what a treat because you oh, get to, it's like many seasons, like three seasons or something. Like three whole seasons and it ends really well. It's a great arc for all the characters. Really good fucking show. Love that fucking show. Yeah. All right. Moving on to video games. Moving on to video games. Carlos, we're going to kick it off with you first. Uh, Since you code a while ago for a game called Blackwind, uh, this is a uh, kind of a sort of isometric game. Uh, Caught my attention originally because, uh, you know, it's got mech suits and some melee combat. Story is something along the lines of like a kid um, gets trapped in his mech suit because reasons or whatever. And so he's kind of like, trying to survive while he's fighting aliens and stuff. Seemed to me like a cool premise. Um, I played a little bit, and I know that you played a little bit. So why don't you lead us off and tell us uh, where you played this and what you thought of Black Wind? Yeah, so we got the code. Thank you for that. I played it on... I got the code for PS4 or PS5. PS4. Okay. So I played it on PS5. Same. same. Um, and so, yeah, it's the fastest loading times or whatever. The developer is Trakar Dev. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of them. Um but weirdly enough, on Steam, which the game is also on Steam, you had I had to put my um, birth date in uh, to continue. It says it may contain uh, pro, you know content for not appropriate. It was like age gated. That's yeah. weird. And like if you, as I'm gonna about to talk about the game, the whole beginning, if not the whole game, is got a very Saturday morning cartoon vibe to it. Totally does. It totally does. So I'm like, how is that age gated? Um, weird. But anyways, yeah, this is basically you play as a kid who is you're on your on a spaceship with your dad and the spaceship goes down. Your dad sends you into this mech suit to protect you. And then you're in the mech suit down there. Um, I have double feelings for this or two feelings that are wildly <laughs> separate. OK, so the first feeling is on the pro side. It's like a super fun game. Like it's super fun to control this mech. Like you said, it's isometric view twin stick shooter kind of rules but also it has hack and slash melee which you know me i love melee jam that's why i thought you'd be interested great upgrade tree i upgraded all my uh, my melee immediately it's got a jump and like attack thing where you can jump up in the air and smash on the ground it has a dash you can upgrade the dash so it hurts people everything about the game it's got physics and destructibility so it just feels really fun to play and but the premise it's just it's tough for me because the two things don't seem to be mixed together and I'll get your take on that. But like, it's such a Saturday morning cartoon and the kid in the suit, like immediately knows how to use it for some reason. And there's an AI on board. So that's probably helping. But the kid just immediately like, let's go and have fun. This is a Saturday morning cartoon from the nineties. I'm going to blow things up. Yay. And then the actual gameplay looks more sophisticated and like you said, it looks more like a mech game, like that you would see, like a action mech game or strategic mech game. Um, so that's the two early thoughts I have. I didn't know how to marry those two together in my mind, because and also I want to I want to title the episode this episode of the podcast. Um, uh, was it who's the best? Because he he would say when he does kills, because you knew the instant kills by pushing circle. Oh yeah, yeah. He would do these little one-liners like your trip ends here, dude. Straight up out of the nineties cartoons. Um, don't mess with the Hawkins 
or who's the best. So don't want any of that in this game. <laughs> okay. I don't want any of that, but the action's super fun. What are your thoughts? Interesting. I'm totally on the other side uh, of you on this one. Um, I did not like it at all. Uh, I couldn't have gotten out of it quicker. I like the premise, the concept of, you know, this dad stuffs his kid in his mech suit because the plane is crashing or whatever kids inadvertently in this giant military machine kind of cliche but still works i mean there's a lot of juice in that premise i think there's a lot of ways it can go um so that part was okay but the story doesn't come through right like exactly like you said he's immediately like having fun i think for like one second he's like where's my dad and then after that he's like let's wreck shit and he just like forgets about it Uh, i was hoping the ai would be more of a character like like more of a buddy kind of vibe you know so was i yeah so was i i was kind of hoping for that but that just it just it totally gets backseated and you just start doing melee and stuff. I mean, honestly, I didn't like the way this game felt. I didn't think it felt very good. Uh, I didn't think the graphics were very great. It looked kind of basic to me and playing the combat was just kind of irritating. Um, pretty soon you get to areas where like, there's like tons of locked doors and you're like going back and forth, looking for keys and flipping switches. And I'm like, man, none of this is what I want to be doing in a giant mech. And I don't really like the story either. So I, I felt like it's a good idea, but I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not familiar with these developers. I would be surprised if this wasn't their first game or second game. It still feels like they're still kind of finding their feet, and I think it's a good first step, but it just doesn't give me the kind of like really like visceral combat that I'm looking for in a game like this, and the story didn't grab me either, so I was kind of just like in the middle on it, and I didn't. it just didn't click for me. Oh, my goodness. Wait, it says it's Blowfish Studios. Well, the publisher, though. Publisher. The publisher, right. Yeah, because yeah. they did Obey Me, which is another game that I kind of liked. We talked about in the show. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so here's my point in that. Like, I, I agree with a bunch of it. I also don't like some of the platforming is, like, really difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, and cumbersome. I played, like, almost three hours of it. I was, like, addicted for some reason. Like, the loop for me, I liked. Um, and, again, I'm a sucker for upgrading you know, some sort of melee in any way. Right, right. So I, I, it felt like a Diablo-type game in that way, where you just, like, cut down enemies. And because I played it longer, probably, I got to different areas that weren't, like, cumbersome and switches and stuff. Sure. There was just, like, big, wide-open areas where you just, like, blow a bunch of people up. And in those moments, it felt like Diablo, which is great, right? Uh, mech suit Diablo, I'll, I'll take that, please. Um, but the problem for me wasn't the gameplay. It was the opposite. It was the fact that the kid keeps saying things that, make me baffled or mad (laughs) like i'm like don't don't say those words no this isn't a 90s cartoon unless the whole style of the game and the art was 90s you know right and and it does it's like it's like a clash right like it's it's a clash saturday morning cartoon but i think the combat was like too brutal for what the kid was like the tone of the kid like it, it seemed like a real clash of like the designers wanted to have this really cool badass mech that was doing these fatalities and the writers wanted to have a kid who was like having fun in this machine that he commandeered from his dad. And like those two things for me did not ever find a happy medium. Yeah. And by the way, I, when I was playing, it, I was thinking that your kid would like it though. Cause it's almost like a family friendly mech battle game, you know, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. So, you might like it. But anyways, yeah. I'm, I'm not, not leaving it. Wait, why did I do a double negative there? I don't know what happened. <laughs> I've been talking a lot. I think my robot brain is starting to shut down. Carlos powering down. Um, no, I'm saying is I'm going to keep playing it, I think. Oh, okay. So you, Weirdly enough. <laughs> you did, That is so strange. You did a double negative, so you're not not going to stop. Yeah, I'm not not going to stop. So you're going to keep playing. I am just because, I, for me, again, the loop, uh, uh, If I maybe I just turn the volume off. Maybe I turn his voice off. 
Yeah. Because I yeah. don't like that style of it, of his his voice. Honestly, so. dude, I did turn the volume off, just to be real with you for a second. I did turn the sound down. because I Well, couldn't, uh, yeah, I, I might do it. But I, I, again, go. I'm saying a positive about it, because I think if it is their first foray into this kind of a thing, I, I like the action, so. All right, there we go. Split decision on Black Wind. Both of us played it on PS5, and it comes out... I think it comes out literally today, the day that we're recording. The embargo dropped today, uh, the 19th. So by the time this goes up and you're listening to it, it should be available on all the usual places, Xbox, PS, whatever, whatever. So there we go, Blackwind. Uh, let me talk for a minute about SNK Card Fighters Clash. Uh, dude, have you heard of this game? Do you know this game? No, but I. it's a card battler. Oh, my God. Okay, so I've I don't know heard anything. this was originally on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, that is a platform uh, handheld device. If you haven't heard of it, please Google it and take a look. I don't remember what year it's from, but it's from a long time ago. And this game was one of those holy grail games that was held up to me. Remember when we talked about Diablo 2 a couple weeks ago yeah. where I didn't have a PC that would play it and people who had a PC were like, Brad, Diablo 2 is like the ultimate shit and you're uh, less of a person for not having played this. Like, you know, yes. you're not seeing the glory of God, but you're missing out on this. That was held up as one of those Holy Grail games, right? And this is the other is one of those other ones. SNK Cardfighters Clash. I've heard about this game literally for fucking decades, and that's not an exaggeration. People holding this up as one of the best card fighting games of all time, one of the best crossovers, SNK was Capcom. Like praise, praise, praise. You gotta play this. This is the best, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm like, okay, cool. I never had a chance to play it because I didn't have the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Because I was broke back then, because I was just like I don't know, didn't have a job or whatever. Plus, those Who were knows? hard to get, as we all yeah, know. they were Collect rare. They were too. yeah, it was not the easiest thing to get. You had to be pretty fucking dedicated and have the cash. Anyway, so it just pops up out of nowhere on the Switch store, just like no announcement, no PR. I just turn on the Switch and I'm like, holy shit, it's Card Fighters Clash on the Switch. Just here it is. Wow. So I'm checking it out and I'm like, after all these years, I can't believe it. Like I just played Diablo two a couple months ago. And now here's Card Fighters Clash. I'm checking these things off. Like Radiant Silver Gun was like the other one, and I believe that's on Xbox right now. Mm. So like all of these ones that were dangled in front of me as like the best, 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 best ever that you can't play, I can now play. So that's amazing. Um, so I jump into SNK Card Fighters Clash. It's, excuse me, it's SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash. Let me get that title correct. Um, so what this is is it's a deck builder card battling game similar to Pokemon in a way. Um, you, you choose a character, you get a deck of cards, you can pick the SNK deck, or you can pick the Capcom deck, and then you can change it as you go, but you know, it's your starter deck. Uh, all these cards have pictures of SNK and Capcom characters, as you might expect, and once you start playing, uh, it looks very much like the original Pokemon from back in the day, like red and blue, or maybe even yellow back in the day, where your character is like six pixels high, their animation is like two frames of animation and you walk around the town looking for fights. So like you're this kid with a deck of cards in your pocket, you go to the store and there's like another kid who's like, Hey man, want to fight? And you're like, yeah, we're going to throw down. And then like you have a card fighter battle, just like a Pokemon battle. So right away I was kind of turned off by the premise because I don't like Pokemon very much. And I don't like the idea of walking around a town looking for people to battle. Like I thought it was going to be more of just like a, straight up deck builder something like a slay the spire or something where it's oh, all about yeah. just the cards right like you're just doing the cards but that's not what it is there's there's a little bit of a story you like you got to become the best fighter in town etc etc so okay that was kind of a bummer but whatever and then you start to play the game 
and wow, like the tutorial is terrible. Um, this game is old. I don't know when yeah. it's from. It must be at least 20 years old, if not older. The graphics are just like super basic, like LCD kind of sprite graphics that you would see obviously on the Neo Geo Pocket Color, but like something like the original like Game Boy or whatever, like really, really basic graphics. Um, animation is nothing, like no animation on the cards at all. So like you throw down a card with Ryu throwing a fireball, that's it. You see Ryu throwing the fireball as a still picture. Yeah. There's no there's no <laughs> jumping. There's no throwing the fireball. There's no explosion. It's just that. And I'm yep. like, oh, man, there's no animation to this like at all. And the rules were just really confusing. Um, I got into it. I tried to do a couple battles. And I'm like, this is just really, really, really old and just really feels out of date. I wish they had done a real revamp with like, you know, animation and better graphics and a better tutorial and streamline some of these systems. But it's just a straight port of a game that is really ancient and I never played it back then. So I don't have any nostalgia for it. Right. So as I'm playing this today, I'm like, wow, me trying to find the fun in this is really not happening. So I played it for like an hour or two. I just, I was bashing my head against it. Like I just did not like, it's too old. It's too out of date. It needs to be updated. I think you really need to have the nostalgia to make this work for you. Either that, or you got to be a crazy, Neo Geo Pocket Color fan, or maybe like an SNK Capcom fan, like Super Fan. Yeah. Maybe that's enough for you, but like, uh, this just feels really too old to me. I'll explain this in one quick uh, uh, summary. It's rose tinted glasses. Yes. Yeah. This, this is what this is. Or it's collector, like you said, because I know a um, friend of the show, um, Kelsey Lewin uh, of Pink Gorilla, loves yes. the Neo Geo, and I love the Neo Geo as well. We kind of bonded over that. Um, and, you know, this is kind of a, a game for a collector or a game that you remember like loving it for the moment it came yeah, out and exactly. you could do all these things. But yeah, I don't see it as a new purchase for someone to be like, Hey, I want to try this out. It seems it's dated. Yeah. I mean, if I had played this 20 years ago, I probably would have thought it was the shit the way that people talk about it. And yep. I, I can totally see that happening. But like today as an, as a, as a fresh green person approaching this game, I'm like, wow, this is absolutely a rose tinted kind of purchase. So I'm glad I got to, to check it out because it was one of those, like I said, Holy Grail games that people talked about forever yep. and I never got a chance to play. Now that I played it, I'm like, cool. Not for me. Got to move on. You so. know, it reminds me of that Castlevania game. What's the one that everyone said was the Holy Grail and it was on Turbo Graphics too. Oh, like Rondo of Blood, I think. Was Simpl that that? Oh, oh no, Simpl Bloodline. Was it Bloodlines? Bloodline maybe. Anyways, there was one. It was like always a million dollars for the Turbo and I can yeah, never afford yeah. it. But I finally played it, you know, on a ROM or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's, just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. It's, it's a Castlevania I, I, game. Yeah, dude, totally. I totally feel you on that. I think, honestly, at the time, I mean, different environment, different reality, right? Like, a lot of these games were really out of reach for a lot of people. We would see them in game magazines. Oh, we and would. we would salivate over them, but you couldn't get them. And then you'd have, like, one friend who, like, had a ton of money because their dad was rich or something. They would be, like, the importer, and they'd have, like, the modded system. And they'd, like, flaunt these games in front of you. And yeah. they'd be like, oh, I'm playing Radiant Silver Gun and you can't play this. And this is the best thing ever. And I'd be like, it, I mean, and I think it probably is like I, as a kid, I'd be like, it probably is the best game ever. Right. But once you get your hands on some of these, I think a lot of it was just the scarcity made it seem a lot better uh, than it actually was. You know, right? what's interesting. I, we don't have time for the tangent. I know we shouldn't keep bringing up the time of the show. But uh, as a producer trick, I'm sorry, I keep bringing it up. Uh, we're on a schedule. But I will mini mini tangent is. We'll save it for another show. But what <laughs> what does this just? I'm giving you the topic, Brad, so we can think about it next right. time. But what does 
the the um, removal of that scarcity do for gamers nowadays? Because what you just said rang so true to me. There were so many mainly turbo games and also Super Famicom games. Yeah, that were yeah. only in Japan. Oh yes, and, and not just not just uh, borders from the countries, but also like you said, just expensive. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll never play that. Or like I might, like you said, have to go visit somebody to see it but without having that. You know, is that a is it a positive thing to have in the community? That's a really good topic. If anybody listening would like to chime <laughs> in on that, I would love to get your feedback and comments. Maybe we'll talk about that next episode. We'll yeah. see. OK. Uh, but yeah, I think scarcity played a big part in those people lording those games over. So anyway, SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash. If you remember it, it's still there. If you've never played it, maybe, you know, brace yourself a little bit, but it's, I'm glad that it's available. I think that's ultimately a good thing. So there yeah. you go. Um, all right, Carlos, back to you. I am extremely curious about this uh, new game coming from 10 tons studio. I believe it just left early access. If I'm not mistaken, yes, it did. it's called dismantle D Y S M A N T L E, which is interesting because 10 tons always misspells their games on purpose. I think because of uh, maybe SEO purposes or something like that. Yeah. But um, Dismantle is a top-down, kind of a zombie open-world survival thing. It caught my eye because I love these kind of games, and I haven't really clicked with one in a while, so I was thinking that maybe this might be the one. Uh, very, very curious. I haven't touched it at all, so I want to hear your take. To please tell us about Dismantle. Yeah, it was on my radar because, like you said, it was in early access for a while. Uh, I didn't get it back then, but I liked the idea, which is essentially a survival. I don't want to reuse action RPG, but there is a lot of leveling up. There's XP that you get, so that does seem like an RPG quality. Um, and you're a character who breaks things down, and the whole, you know, one of the big marketing things is everything in the world is breakable. Um, but that said, you need the right equipment to do it. So you can't, like, go in, start the game, and break everything. But you can break certain things that your crowbar can break. Then you have to upgrade that crowbar, right? And then get other equipment to break other things. But at some point everything has a meter, right? And if you can get to that meter because your you know, gear allows it, then you can break down anything, including walls and stuff later on. Um, but in the beginning, you can break quite a few things. And the concept is you're on this island, which is kind of Lost-esque, uh, and not like on a landmass, but a, you know, an island landmass. It's super massive, by the way. It's a really big map. And you're on this island as a person, a survivor from zombie apocalypse, of course. And the story is very, very light. It's told through little, you know, audio journals, et cetera. You turn on the radio, you get some pieces of information. Um, kind of like that golf game we played. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Golf Wasteland or whatever. Yeah, um, nice. And so that's, and, and you don't mind because that's really not really what you're there for. You're there for the, this beautiful game loop they did, which, by the way, insanely addictive. This thing, I saw a reviewer online talk about, he, he played it the first time and it was five hours later. And he was like, oh, I should probably do something else. Um, <laughs> that's what happened to me last night. I started it, I think, 9 or 10. It was like 1. And I was like, oh, I have to go to bed now, probably. Um, this game loop is so effing addictive uh, that I'm not even going to swear. <laughs> and we can swear. <laughs> uh, you Basically, you, you, you break things down, you craft things. Normally, I'm not that big of a crafter. I don't like too many survivally crafty games. But they do it in such a beautiful way where, like, you know, always, we always talk about the UI having to be good. The UI is beautiful. It's like 
you can set little reminders like, hey, I want to get my crowbar plus two. Well, what do I need? Well, I need this many things and this many pieces of resources. That You can pin that to your screen. Oh, I love when people do that. I love when they do that. So basically, I have like three different things that are pinned. One's like a fucking, you know, um, campaign thing, right? Like a mission. One's like my backpack has to be upgraded and one's my crowbar. So I'm just walking around the world and I know exactly what I need. And oh, then, that's great. I love that. Time saver, man. Respect time the player. I saver. Love it. And then you go to the big, huge crafting menu, and all that makes sense. Like the little boxes. There's little boxes that show how upgraded it is. I won't go into the nuances of it. It's perfect, dude. It's like groovy, yummy, awesome. And what because it is that way, now you see why you can play it for hours, right? Because if they're doing the systems right then you want to keep doing it. There's no friction. It's just like you just keep playing and playing and playing. There's no there's no stopping point. Frictionless gameplay. There you go. So the the other hook, though, by the way, is you have these little land masses, and they are all kind of gated. So you'll have like a mini, mini map of like five houses and four cars and some woods, right? And then they're kind of like gated in a way where you've got to go find these uh, towers, and the towers you can um, craft something to you know, see more of the map. And then okay. at the towers, you can also open gates. But lots of times the gates are guarded by a big boss, which, by the way, there's bosses in this game, which is fun. So the first boss is like, the you know, very State of Decay, State of Decay vibe in right, this game. Right, 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 which you is fight, good. Yeah, fight a big bloated monster, really fun. And I forgot to mention, it's like the isometric, you know, top-down view. Right. Um, twin six shooter view, feel, too, as well, like for the attacking and shooting. Um, all that stuff feels really good. Um, actually there's only, I've only got a crowbar so far, so I haven't got any guns, but, um, I have some throwing knives and I did it that way, but it, it all just feels really good. Very simple finding zombies right off the bat. Um, and the other mechanic that you would also like Brad Galloway. Okay. Is that there are campfires a la souls games, <laughs> but right. where I would normally hate that. Here's how they make it great. Uh, and by the way, other souls likes games. Listen to this. Uh, real simple concept, and a bunch of other people would probably like your games. I know a lot of people like the games. Uh, Carlos, I'm just talking about myself. Uh, so you go to the campfire. Other people, but I'm talking about myself, yes. <laughs> wait, wait, can you write that down? That might be the name of this That's podcast. That's a pretty good one, yes. Okay, go, go ahead. Other people are talking about myself. Um, you sit down at the campfire, and at the campfire, you can put all your resources in, because lots of times you have to like store your resources because your backpack only has a certain inventory slots. And you're upgrading that all the time. But at the same time, you're getting your health back, and it's resetting zombies. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now, right. here's the thing that like Carlos likes, is if you find this thing in that map where you can craft a little piece uh, on the transmission tower, it will keep all the enemies dead in that area. Oh, interesting. How so smart. So you can choose. And you can choose, right? You don't have to build it if you don't want you to. You don't have to build it. But it really, in this kind of a game, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense because they're only a hindrance at some point, and the resources they give you aren't really enough, you know? So, so like when you level out of these mobs, you can just turn yes. the mobs off, basically. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. have to mess with That's brilliant. That's and brilliant. And the mobs only give you resources that you would get from other things anyhow. So, gotcha. so far, I haven't found like a unique mob resource. So it's like they literally are just there to kill you. Um, so how fucking smart, right? That is really smart. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for 10 tons 
Um, I don't like every game that they've put out, but the ones that I do like, I really like a lot. Like, I really liked um, Judge. They put that one out. That's right. Um, I love Judge. Oh, my God. But it's J-Y-D-G-E, again, with the misspelling. But, boy, the systems in that, I mean, it's kind of like what you're describing. It seems like they really take a look at it, really think about what works and what doesn't. They make some smart cuts, some smart moves, and then the end result is just fucking brilliant. So I'm really hoping that they're on their game again. It sounds like they are. They are. It's just making me really fucking excited for this. I don't have time to play it right now, but God damn it, I really want to play it right now. It's so similar to another game that we're about to talk about on the show um, and the fact that it's this kind of time suck. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a beautiful time suck like you said earlier, or we come to, together on, it's, it's called Frictionless, basically. Yeah. A yeah. UI. And I, literally me talking about it right now makes me want to just stop the podcast, mm. run over to the system, turn it on. It's just, it's so addictive. And I, I give them all the kudos in the world, and it came out of nowhere because I just knew about it through Early Access. But this is a good example of something that came out of Early Access. I think it's done. I don't know the ending, but there is an ending. Um and it just feels super, super fun. Super fucking fun. That is great news because I really, really want to play one of these. And I just haven't found one that's really stuck yet. And it right. sounds like maybe this is the one. And I haven't either. By the way, we talk about crafting games all the time on the show. And I usually go like, Bleh. Yeah, same, same. So this, I enjoyed doing all the crafting. I didn't mind it. So. All right, excellent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump that up on my list. Done. I have a couple games I'm juggling right now. But that one, I'm definitely going to put some time into. Okay, Good. cool. Dismantle, that was D-Y-S-M-A-N-T-L-E from 10 Tons. All right, let me talk for a hot second about Rainbow Six Extraction. Um, I wanted to play this because it's a team game, and the squads are in teams of three, and my wife and my son both like to play. We like to play games together, so that's really the hook. I'm not a Rainbow Six player. Yeah, I wouldn't think you would be. No, no, super not. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with the franchise. I think I played a couple of them back on the 360 and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. This isn't for me. And there's been a bunch of more recent ones that I just have completely avoided because it's not my jam. But not only was this a first person team based game in squads of three versus AI, which that to me sounds okay. You're, you're kind of talking my language there a little bit. Um, but also it takes away the straight up military theme, which to me is very boring and not appealing and adds aliens. So that was like another like, oh, OK, well, it's mm. teams of three versus aliens. The aliens are AI. And that, OK, that's that's that clears my bar. Right. So I wanted to give this a shot. Um, apparently, this is based on some mod that came out a while ago, or maybe it was like a limited time mode or something. And apparently it was popular enough that they wanted to make an entire game out of it. So. The, the premise is pretty bare bones. Basically, uh, aliens show up on Earth just randomly, uh, start infecting things. They're, they're corrupting people. They're corrupting buildings. They're taking over land. And you're part of a team that is going in there to, like, stop them. And that's basically all there is to it. Um, I, apparently, they paid for some big-time voice actors to do some stuff. I, that was lost on me. It didn't really stick. I didn't, don't know who was in it. it and the the... The story part is so minimal. It could have been voiced by anybody. I don't think anything would have been lost. So mm. anyway, um, so there's a couple cool things about this right off the bat. So apparently these characters in this game are known to people who like the series. And so they're bringing these favorite characters back. They're all new to me, but there's, I think, 12, maybe 15 different characters that you can choose from. And I think it's a rotating cast like every week. It's kind of a game of service sort of a thing where the cast of uh, available characters rotates. But like you've got one guy who's got a big hammer and he can hammer through walls. There's like a guy who can turn invisible for like five seconds. 
There's a guy who can do like a radar ping and show you where enemies are. There's uh, somebody who can heal. So like, you know, everybody's got their specialty, right? Like as, as you would expect. But there's a whole bunch of those. Uh, everybody on the team picks one and you can't double up. So everybody's got to pick a different person. And then you go with your team or you can play alone if you want to. But I think it's definitely meant to be played on a team basis. You go into these little areas. And so each section is kind of like a hotel or it's like a school or something like they're buildings and they're sectioned off into chunks. So like you're in the lobby of a hotel and the hotel lobby is section one. The upstairs like area is like section two. And then like the roof part and some other part is like section three. So you don't have the whole run of the building there. It's kind of broken up into small chunks, which I think is cool because like you go in, you want to play just a really tight, small map with your buddies, get through that. And then, you know, you're not like wandering this giant open world map, right? Like you're, you don't have people spread out throughout an entire hotel. They're just spread out among like two floors. So it's mm. much more smaller, more compact. You do your typical first person shooting stuff. Uh, seems to me like there's a real emphasis on stealth because it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, very easy to just kind of lose lose your, your footing. You think you're making good progress. And then all of a sudden things just go to shit. I mean, I've lost multiple missions right at the very end. Like when we're oh, trying to get out or annoying. when we... We feel like we've got it in the bag, and then we take one wrong step. Somebody fires a bullet that gets heard by the enemies or something, and then it's just it all goes to shit. Um, so I think the, the action is okay. I feel like uh, teamwork and cooperation is definitely a must. Um, but I think – so, okay, the other thing that I really like about it too – I'm kind of talking about things out of order. But one thing that I really think is cool is when we get back to the characters here, you choose one. And if you win with this character, then that particular character gets level up. So, like – out of 18 per people, if you like the guy who heals and you use that guy a lot, then he'll get all his unlocks, he'll get his uh, advanced healing abilities and so forth and so on. So you can kind of specialize. And if you like the people that you like, then they're going to be better the next time. I think that's good. But the cool twist here is that if you get killed on a mission or downed or whatever, that person gets removed from your roster and you have to go rescue them the next time you go out on a mission. Oh, that's so interesting. It is pretty cool because what I like about it is you lose this guy. Say like you're the doctor, uh, you get you know surprised by some aliens, you get taken out, the aliens kidnap you. The next mission is you need to go rescue that guy, and he's not available. Like you can't choose him again until you rescue him. Yeah. So you cool. have to like choose somebody else. It kind of forces you to go through the roster if you die a lot, like I did. Um, I think at one point I had like eight people who were missing from my team because I kept losing over and over nice. and over. And I was just like scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm like, well, I guess I'll do the guy with the shotgun. You're I like, I'm the janitor this round. Exactly. Right. Like who else is, I'll be the helicopter pilot. I, we need like more people here. Um, so that is a really cool idea. I like the idea of having to go manage your team and having these characters there and like not being able to always choose the same one every single time. That's pretty cool. I dig that a lot. Um, I wish there was more to them. I wish there was more story to them. I wish there was more, uh, gosh, you know, just something. I mean, like um, World War Z, for example, is kind of a similar thing to this. And even though that's basically another first-person shooter with zombies instead of aliens, each person had like a little micro-movie. You could read their backstory. They had like individual barks that they would call out. They would have like little dialogue with certain characters. So even though it's basically another first-person shooter, there was just enough personality in World War Z to make you really care about the people that you were playing. Like, oh, I like, I like this guy. He's the fireman. I like the fireman. Or like... Oh, this uh, disgraced police officer. He's my favorite guy, you know, like whatever. Um, and they feel pretty much like ciphers here, which is a shame because I think they've all got interesting powers and they all look different. And so it's like, you know, just one more notch in the yeah. character department would have really sold it as as cool characters. Right. Um, the other thing that I kind of. OK, so there's that. The other thing that I kind of don't like is that it's very hard. It's very difficult. And again, full disclosure, I'm not a Rainbow Six person. 
this is not my preferred genre. I'm, you know, I'm pretty noobish when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, so we were struggling, like from the get go, we felt like the difficulty was very difficult. We were losing characters all the time. Um, even one, like one very small wrong move and the whole thing just falls apart. And so you lose everybody and it just, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. There's not much healing. Uh, it's, it's really, really tough. And so we were struggling with that. We wish there was like an easier level that we could kind of fool around on and just kind of find our feet a little bit. So that was tough. And the thing that I really, really, really don't like about this is that in each level, if you alert enemies, uh, usually they're walking around like ignoring you, um, just these aliens doing their own thing. And you can get, you know, backstab them or shoot them with nobody's watching, whatever. But if they see you, you have like exactly like 1.5 seconds to take them out. And if you don't, they shout like really, really loud. And there's like a little shockwave goes out from the alien and it wakes up like everybody on the map. Bullshit. Right? That's such bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. So not only do you get swarmed by all the enemies that are on the map, the thing that really breaks this game for me and really kind of made me put it down is that there are these little pods which are scattered throughout the level and there's tons of them. And if these pods wake up, they're infinite enemy spawners. What? So like the guy screams because you missed the headshot. He wakes up the, the pods and then all of a sudden the pods are spitting out an infinite supply Dude. of enemies that are ready to fight. And that to me was like, that's trash because... If there's a certain number of enemies, that's one thing. If all the enemies on a level get alerted, but there's only a certain number of them, that's another thing. But to have to like go into like panic mode, shoot the guys that are already there, and then you have to immediately start tracking the pods because the pods are making more guys infinitely, that to me just really that's was too much out. of a deterrent. Yeah, it was too much, right? Like I get the stealth is a thing. You got to be careful. You got to mind your mind your P's and Q's when you're on a mission. But that to me was was too much. Like maybe each one spawns three guys. Or maybe, you know, something like like a limit, right? Like whenever you talk about infinite enemies, that's when I start to lose interest. Wait, wait. Did you get to destroy those pod spawn points, though? Yeah, you can. You can sneak up on them if they're not awoke. You can you can destroy them. I mean, you can shoot them. But, like, they're on the ceiling. They're on the floor. They're behind a the wall. There's a bunch right, of them. There's, like, right. 15 in a level. And as soon as those guys start rushing you, you're like, oh, shit. I got to get these guys off my back. But then huh. you shoot one guy and another guy comes up because he's being spawned by the pod. So Dude, it's like... As, yeah. as you're explaining this game... I just don't know who this is for. Like, I'm very yeah. confused on its audience because, like you said, it's got the hardcore element, like don't mess up once. It's got exactly. that element that you just added. But then it's got, like, a different flavor of, like, aliens and different, you know, support characters and an interesting idea. I, I don't know who this is for. I don't know that Ubisoft knows who it's for either. <laughs> um, it, it seems like there's there's a lot of good pieces here. I like the cast of characters. I like the idea of, like, rescuing your team. I like being forced to use other characters if you lose one. Um, I mean, going in with a team to kill aliens, that's pretty cool. But like it just it's not popping. Right. Like, I feel like these pieces are not coming together. And yeah. especially with like the infinite thing happening and just like it's I mean, to me, it's like an instant lose the mission if that ever happens, because there's just no way that your team's going to overcome those odds. So granted, again, not the world's best Rainbow Six player. I'm definitely new to the series. But what I've seen so far, I see promise. But I'm guessing that in about six months or a year, this game will be a lot more fun and a lot more focused and a lot more polished. It feels like it's still trying to find its feet right now. Yeah, especially as you said, like it's a games as a service thing too, as well. So they're they're going to work on yeah. it probably. I think they will. I, I will I will come back to it like in six months, and I bet it'll be way more fun. So we'll see. That was Rainbow Six Extraction. Just came out this week, I believe. And now, final game of the show is one that I'm actually very excited to talk about. Carlos, I'm going to let you take the lead on this, but we are going to be talking about. 
the new one from Drinkbox Studios, who have made several really, really great games. Guacamelee, uh, Blob Eats the World, or no, Blob Saves the World. I forget what the Blob does. Yeah, Giant Blob, blob versus the World, whatever. Yep. A big Blob. That was a great game. Sorry, I don't remember the title right now. This is their newest one, Nobody Saves the World. It's kind of a top-down Zelda-like in terms of presentation, but you have a special character who can change into a number of different things. And I don't know about you, Carlos, but I've been playing this one for like the last two or three days. Just kind of like what you said with Dismantle. It is like this frictionless gameplay where I just sit down and like three, four hours go by. Yep. And I'm just like, damn, I just like I sunk a whole afternoon in this game. I think I mean, I'm just going to spoil it up front. I think this game is fucking awesome. Awesome. I love this game. Yeah, I think it's really, really good. So take it away. Nobody saves the world. Yeah, I'm glad you like it because I brought it up to the show in preview format. Remember? Yeah, the demo. demo. The demo. Yeah. And I was following it, and back then I had said it's very reminds me of uh, Crashlands, the game Crashlands. Yes. Um, same art style as well, and it's kind of funny, and it's got humor in it, but it's not like over the top humor. It's just like this nice subtle humor. Um, a friend of the show, Lilena, was playing it, and she noticed um, in the very beginning there's like a Starbucks joke. <laughs> yes. And there I was is. like, oh, that's like my sketches. They're like doing my sketches in the in the thing. But yeah, there's like a lot of like subtle. Uh, simple cheeky humor um the whole idea is that you start as like this gender neutral you know almost like clean slate of a person not even i don't anything. even know if, are you even a human i'm not even sure probably what you not are. yeah you're like just kind of this alien form um i think the ending of the game is going to explain that actually um i just have a, an idea that it does and the whole concept of the game is you can morph into different forms uh the first one you have to do to get out of like a jail cell is a is a little rat and then you can upgrade all your powers for that rat. And then you can upgrade to a guard and um, like a, a knight and then a ranger. And then weirdly enough, a horse is one of the first things you morph into. Um, and did you do the horse part yet? Not yet, because I think we've there's multiple different forms and each one branches off. Right. And depending on how much experience you do, you'll unlock certain forms and not others. I went the other way. I unlocked the mermaid, so I'm doing the mermaid trick. Oh, right I've never been a mermaid. All right. Yep, there you go. But in the horse one, there's like a horse mines, because for some reason there's horse mines, of course. And that's the achievement that I mentioned on the last time we talked about it. There's an achievement called Fall in Love. And minor spoiler, if you turn into a horse and you see another horse, you get to fall in love with that horse. And you have a kind of a horse <laughs> romance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, this game is super addictive. Like you said, the UI is awesome. The cartoons, the graphics are just super fun to look at. Um, all the playability feels just right on, like fucking spot on. If you mess up, we always say that, you know, on the show, if you mess up, it's your fault. It's There's no like bad frames of animation. You know, I feel like everything's fucking crystal clear on what, you know, how you hit things. Uh, it's a little bit of bullet hell going on with some enemies shooting, you know, uh, bullets at you, but it's nothing that's annoying. Uh, even bosses seem like they make sense. Uh, I never felt myself being frustrated. I don't think there's an easy, normal, hard mode. I think it's just, it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's I just so. the game. Yeah. Um, and then there's areas where, you know, of the map, you shouldn't go yet, just like other games. And yeah, you'll get your ass handed to you. But if you go in the general direction of, you know, these small quests, and then the main quest in the beginning is to, you know, go to this big, huge castle and and take over something there. It, you don't feel like you're out of your element. Um, the other elements that I like, uh, I just said element, is uh, that, you know, you basically, as you go, you know, just like other games that feel really good, you get XP for everything. You get yeah. so much XP and it feels good. 
and you have to get these stars and these stars allow you to open doors which will allow you to basically you know traverse through the game and, and take out other bosses um the other thing that is really interesting because i did not get to experience this in the demo and i don't know if you got there yet but at some point you can add different mechanics and abilities and mix them together i haven't quite gotten there they've talked about it in the menu and I know that it's a thing, but right now I have not gotten to the mix and match area of the game. Yet. Let me explain it because it is a big part of the game. And I, I'm in a not hate-love relationship with it, but I'm like, it, it, it confuses me a little bit. So for our listeners, if you're a horse, you have like horse abilities, okay? Let's keep it simple. You can kick your horse. You got horse kicking. And you upgrade your horse kicking and you're like, yeah, I'm a horse. I kick really hard. But then if you're a knight... You know, you have other types of, a, a, you know, sword slash, etc. But later on, which is a big part of this game, there are enemies that are only, which is very Pokemon-esque, they only can get hurt by being a certain style. So say you have to be a rat to attack a certain monster. I don't like that. But what that means is you have to break their shield with a certain type of attack. Following me? Yeah, there's like light and dark and sharp and blunt. I think right. are the four different qualities. Right. Yeah. So the rat is a dark, and so he can break the shield. But once he breaks the shield, you can turn back to your knight form and then fight normal. Right. right. So what that means is the wrinkle is later on you have to add that dark ability to the knight so the knight can have more than one type of attack. So it just makes a, a wrinkle that I don't know if I want in this game. Hmm. You know what I mean? And you, you're you not there yet, and so I've been messing with it. And it just seems to take a little bit of the frictionless fun out of it for me. Just does, a smidge. Just a bit. I, You know, I hear what you're saying, and I, I think what I like about it so far is the simplicity. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that works, because I'm generally... I am the kind of guy that doesn't like the mashed potatoes to touch the peas. I like those things to be separate, and so I don't know that I like one character's powers to be bleeding yeah, over to another exactly. person's character's powers. Mm -hmm. Like, like for example, Final Fantasy Tactics. I know a lot of people love that game. I hated that game because you had to, like, cross-train your guys, and, like, you could have a ninja who was doing uh, magic, and the magician could do ninja, and it was, like, it just got kind of messy and weird, and I just didn't like that. I like things to be kind of distinct and different. So I'll see how that goes. Um, but there is a lot of really, really, really good about this game. I don't want to get too lost in that part quite. I yet. know. I, I had to bring it up, you know, because yeah, no, for our listeners, that's because that's the only thing that's like, there's literally a caveat, a small caveat, but the rest of it, like, go ahead, is, is, is amazing. I mean, I think the art is really on point. It's kind of like a really extreme, kind of like nasty sort of Nickelodeon 90s kind of art, mm. which doesn't usually work for me, but I feel like it really fits this game really well. Like the, the mermaid, instead of being sexy with like, you know, like little clamshell bra or something. She's like, like a horror show. Like she's got really pointy <laughs> teeth. She's scary. You know, the rat is kind of scary looking. Everything is kind of scary looking. Um, so I kind of like the way that it looks. It's got a good aesthetic to it. Wait, before before you leave the aesthetic, yeah, yeah. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, it's very Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's definitely that John Crickfalusi sort of a aesthetic to it, which yeah. I think is very, very on point. Good call. Um, so uh, uh, getting to the frictionless part, I think the thing that I really like about this, did you ever play fantasy life on 3ds yeah 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 i loved fantasy life super fun um yeah it was super fun so for people that don't know i mean track it down if you can fantasy life was there was like i don't know like 50 different jobs in that game there's like a hunter an archer a fisherman whatever and you had to level up those characters by doing the things that those characters did 
So if you were the wood chopper, you had to go chop a bunch of trees. If you were the archer, you had to shoot a bunch of arrows, etc., etc. And you could switch back and forth between jobs anytime. And whatever thing that you thought was fun, you could go do. And I think a lot of that vibe is here because I don't know exactly how many forms you can transform into. It seems like a pretty good amount, but yeah. so far I've got the the human form, I've got the rat form, I've got the mermaid, I've got a slug, I've got uh, an archer, and each one of these has their own tailored goals. So, you know, for example, the archer, one of their goals might be uh, poison 50 guys with a poison dipped arrow. Okay, cool. And the other goal might be uh, charge up your arrow and impale four enemies at the same time. So you, so like, it's not just a hack and slash, even though it kind of is, but you're always playing in a meta way while you're mm. thinking about, okay, in the back of my head, I've got to poison these 10 guys instead of just killing them. How can I make sure that the poisoning happens or, Oh, I'm getting mobbed. I got to make sure that I take my shots at this particular angle so that I can impale four guys at once. So that way I can work towards my goal. So like it really, upscales the quality of the combat if it didn't have these micro goals it would just be a hack and slash and it would be okay but i guarantee you i wouldn't have fallen in love with it the way that i have because those goals are like what keep you coming back because you're always thinking on a different level and you're always like thinking about how what can i change about my playstyle to make sure that this thing happens so i can get my next level yeah and unlock more powers right can i and the other oh yeah, go ahead yeah, i was gonna yeah, add yeah. to that really quickly yeah because to that point the the just like you said the ui is so smart with that where like it shows like if you're the archer then it shows you all your archer goals, but you can also um, toggle and see all of your goals. Yes. So yes. that's so crazy. It shows all the horse goals. It shows all the night goals. Like it shows them all on one screen. So a hundred percent to what you're saying. Yes. The thing I also really like about this design so far is that you would think that like, you know, you start off as a human, you upgrade to the rat and then you upgrade to like uh, the archer or whatever. Like, I think you probably would assume oh, well, I've unlocked the archer. I don't have any reason to go back to the rat. But that's actually not true because so far I have found that each uh, each form has something about it that is useful in a different situation. So, for example, I was just in one of the dungeons. I was the mermaid. The mermaid does not have life regain abilities. And part of her mojo is she has to take damage in order to trigger some of her special abilities. So I'm taking damage to try to trigger this ability, but I'm like, fuck, I've taken too much. And now I'm really low on life. So... Instead of just dying and restarting, I switch back into the rat, and the rat has life gain abilities. So it's like I have a reason to like go back to the old forms yeah. and to level them up and keep them going and to keep them all in rotation. So, oh hey, I need to get through this water. I'm gonna switch back to the mermaid, do some mermaid stuff, and then oh I'm gonna I gotta heal myself. I'm gonna go back to the rat. Oh shit, there's a whole bunch of uh, fast moving enemies. I'm gonna switch to the slug, and I'm gonna lay down a slime trail to slow them down. So like they find clever ways to kind of give each of these forms utility even after you've unlocked them. So it's not just like a straight progression tree. It's like, it's a broad tree that has reason for you to like visit over and over and over. I think it really adds a lot of depth to each character. And I find myself like developing little strategies with each different form, um, which gives again, this like basic hack and slash an entirely new life because it's got so many layers to it. Which I think it's really, really smart design. Yeah. And by the way, I wonder what the egg one is. Cause I saw an egg on the menu. Yeah, I did, uh, I did figure out what the egg is for. I haven't unlocked it, but I know what it's for. So oh, I'm not going to spoil it, okay. but I do know. Yeah. Um, like you said, yeah, you have to use different forms. Uh, they do give you a hot uh, switch button or whatever you call it, like a quick uh, – why do I say hot button? It's not, it's not hot. Hot swap is what you meant hot to say? Hot swap maybe, yeah. Um, I don't love it though. It's like a bumper, uh, like L trigger or right trigger or something. That's the only thing I don't, another kind of mini con, right? Like I don't think I even knew that button was there. What does it oh, do? Oh, it's it? there. It lets you just switch forms quickly. 
Just to like whatever your previous form was? No, to any form. So it's it's like a wheel, like a, one of those wheels. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that button was even there. Well, there you go. Pro tip. But pro tip. the pro tip number two is it's not awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> it, like you still have to move. It's just weird. It's a little clunky, and maybe they can fix that in a patch because I, I don't like it. But yeah, instead of going to the menu, you could just do it that way. I mean, I've just been going to the menu this whole time, oh, so I'll, I'll well. definitely give the, the radial a try. Yeah, look for the radial. It still needs a little bit of work. But the other thing I was going to say, because I noticed this from the preview to the final version, I don't think I saw it in the preview. They added a uh, something from the store you can buy, which by the way, if you, I'm sure you bought it, but it's a unlimited uh, XP quest. The infinite quest. That was the very first thing I bought. Yes. I don't think it was in the preview. And it's such a smart ad either way, because you all, like you said, you always have this tally of things you can be doing and that one never ends. So you always have this fun little XP uh, meter to watch for like kill so many yeah. enemies. Yeah. Um, and then last thing I'll say another one more con, but believe me, I love this game. 99%. These little cons, we've said it before on the show. If something you love so much, you know, the, the cons stand out because everything else is so good. Um, I would say that I'm pretty far in the game and there's just like a gazillion quests. Right. And I'm like a little inundated where or over inundated where I, I want to kind of focus on a little bit of a story for this character. And it's kind of impossible. It's like I'm in the horse mines. I'm saving a princess. I'm in taking a challenge. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. the only thing. It's just like, it's super fun to play. I'm losing hours to it, but I'm like, just a little bit more linear parts. It would have been cool. Cause like there's right now my map is like, which should be just fun. It's like eight things that I could go to. Um, yeah. I don't know which one to do. You know, I'm like, that's a good problem to have, but I just feel a little bit directionless at times. Yeah. Well, you know, they gate things by, by um, requirement. So like you can't progress past the part where you're supposed to be. I think they've actually done a pretty good job. And I know what you mean about having, a whole bunch of different, I mean, on my map, I probably got like, I don't know, 10 different hotspots I could go to or something, but like you already, you always know what is the next big one because it's always like the highest, um, uh, they're, they're stars. You have to earn stars in order to unlock these gates. Right, right. So like whatever the biggest one is, I'm like, okay, well I'll just do that one last. But the thing that I like about this is even though like story is not super front and center, which is actually okay with me. What I like about it is the mechanical feeling of the gameplay. So like, I'm constantly thinking about, okay, I want to level up the rat. And so for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to be biting people with my little bite. I'm going to bite people with my big bite. I'm going to try to poison them. And that's kind of like just little micro mechanical challenges. And when I get tired of doing the rat, I'm like, okay, I'm going to switch to the archer. And I got people to shoot with my arrows. And so kind of like I pick and choose whatever goal I want to do at that time. And that is just because they have these doled out in such a way where if like you kill 50 enemies, you get a ping and you get that little burst of dopamine in your brain where it's like oh i did a goal i got something right and like mm -hmm. those are spaced out um in a very good way and also you can self-select which ones you want to do so you can you know really just do the ones you like the most if you want to um i think that it's just really fun to play mechanically um i'm not really too invested in the story at all but like i just really like the way it plays and jumping back and forth between forms i think is really fun and discovering how they each play like for example you know i thought the slug was going to be like this total loser character and he's like one of my favorite characters because he's got cool powers and he interacts with people in a way that I didn't expect. And so I just really like how everybody has a different function and jumping back and forth between them is, is pretty enriching to what would otherwise be a pretty straightforward hack and slash. I have a funny uh, tangent on that, um, uh, on the gameplay part. It's funny because yeah. I love the characters. Like you said, I love all the things you just said about the game, uh, share those thoughts. But recently we played, um, uh, I played a PlayStation smash 
game, some sort of fighting game, and it had Ren and Stimpy in it. Do you remember? Oh, the Nickelodeon Nickelodeon All Star Battle yeah. or something like that. And I was so frustrated by Ren and Stimpy because I love them and I love their art style, but they were not fun to play. Like I didn't like playing them. I heard they were the worst characters. Yeah, and and this is almost like a Ren and Stimpy come to life, and I like the gameplay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's a good way to say it because it is really fun and quirky. It's super addictive gameplay. Like you said, all the loops and systems feel really good. Menus are great. Um, there's the only caveat, I mentioned them on this show already, but the only one that I think that will potentially persist for both of us is the fact that we do have to mix and match. Um, and I don't, I'm not in love with that idea. But that aside, it's a 100% purchase. Uh, I'm so, I was so happy with the demo. I played the shit out of it. I had to stop myself. Uh, I love it. I love this game. Yeah, I love it too. I haven't gotten to that part yet, so I'm curious to see what I'm going to make of that. The only downs- potential downside for me is that I, I have heard some people say that the quest is actually longer than you think it is. Um, and so I'm kind of hoping it's not going to be too long. I mean, I, I hope the critical path will be, you know, level up each guy like, you know, once or twice and just make your way to the end. Uh, and, you know, if you want to like max every character out, of course, that would be a much bigger time investment. Um, but some people are saying, OK, it's a little bit longer than we were hoping for. So I, I hope it does not wear out its welcome because so far I totally love it. I think it's really, really good. I'm having a great time with it. Um, I'm just I think it's everything about it is really smart and cute and great. So I want it to end while it is still strong. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, the jury's out on that. Uh, but it is on Game Pass. So you it don't is. even have to drop any cash. It's on Game Pass and PC. You can try it for free if you've got Game Pass on uh, either console or platform. And just give it a shot. Just check it out and see see what it's all about. I think so far, big fucking thumbs up. And I also think it's worth money. Like if you had to buy it on another platform. I would have bought this. I would have yes, bought, bought this game. This. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I would have bought it. So, All right. We did that it. That is it. We did it. We ended on time and we ended strong on a high note. Folks, this is the show. As always, before we go, uh, just a little shout. We'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at sovideogames. We're on TikTok, yes. Well, we have to. We have a question about TikTok. Let me just talk about it right now. Okay, let's talk about that for a uh, second. We, so got a few we minutes. were doing it when we were doing the video, and it made a lot of sense. But TikTok is a very video-visual platform. Yes. And so our just text on screen isn't really as awesome for that platform. So I want to reevaluate how we can do it where there's something visual happening, uh, but it's still the podcast. So... I'm going to brainstorm on that. All right. Pause on TikTok. Yes. Don't waste your time. Don't go there now. Maybe next time. Yeah. Uh, so forget that. Scratch that. But apart from that, you can also reach us individually. Carlos, where can we direct your traffic this week, sir? At Carlos Rodella, uh, R-O-D-E-L-A, on TikTok. All right. And for me, it's the same as always. Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 268. Thank you all so much for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Carlos. Bye-bye.